We kind of live in a how-to era in church. How to walk as a Christian. A lot of how-tos. But unfortunately, what we see many times, the answer to how-to is just a sprinkling of the Word of God rather than a total dependence on Christ through His Word to show us how-to. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today your message looks at the question of how to live the Christian life. You know, Dave, the Word is so practical for our daily living. We see in Scripture that we have everything we need for life and godliness, and and yet so many believers reach for other books or resources other than the Word of God to to guide them in how to live their lives. And, And this leads to wrong thinking and sinful living. So today and over the next several broadcasts, we're going to look closely at how we are to live the Christian life according to the Word of God. Our text is Titus chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verse 1. Well, thanks, Greg. And as always, if you have to miss a portion of today's broadcast, you can hear this entire program online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. I've asked you this question before, but I'll ask it again. What would you think a spouse would think of a husband who said, Honey, I love you so much. You're so wonderful. And I just, I'm here for you. I love you. And then says one day, Well, you know, I'm I'm actually going to go next door and eat breakfast because Sally makes a pretty good breakfast, you know. And and then later on, Honey, but I love you so much. And then comes along another night saying, You know, I'm actually going to go out with another lady this week, but I love you. You would realize that what that person was saying was not true, no matter what they said, right? Obviously, their deeds manifest something totally different. Now, if you have a spouse who shares they love their spouse and it is exemplified in deeds, that relationship is adorned. It is made beautiful as you see that love relationship. But if you have a relationship where you see adultery in it, when you see adulterous characteristics, that relationship is spoken against. It is blasphemed, ultimately. And the same thing happens with us in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of us say we love Jesus. Jesus would say, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And yet through our actions, we deny Him with our actions. You know, these days in the evangelical church, there are many things and many methods to do church, to walk with God. We kind of live in a how-to era in church. How to be a better husband. How to be a better father. How to do ministry. How to do leadership. How to walk as a Christian. A lot of how-tos. But unfortunately, what we see many times, the answer to how-to is just a sprinkling of the Word of God rather than a total dependence on Christ through His Word to show us how to. Now we're moving into chapter 2 in Titus, and we're going to see literally how to live the Christian life. We're going to see it from Titus chapter 2. So would you turn your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 2. And today we're going to get an overview of chapter 2, and then we're going to look at the first point that the foundation for our relationship with God is sound doctrine. And this whole chapter is going to show us, I believe, the grace of God in Christ working through the Word of God, sound doctrine, to make us who the Lord wants us to be. So again, would you turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Now, a little 
background and context what we've looked at in chapter 1. And we've seen that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Titus, his true child in the faith. He's writing to Titus, a faithful man who has accompanied Paul in the work of the ministry. The Apostle Paul being a bondservant of Christ as every believer is. Titus being a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at some point in time, the Apostle Paul left Titus in the island of Crete to set in order what remains. And we saw the first thing in the last few months, what remained for Titus to do, which was to appoint elders in every city. And we looked intensely at what does the Bible have to say about leadership in the church. And we saw that God gives the absolute qualifications for those who would lead his church, that godly leaders must be those who work hard in the word. They oversee, they protect God's incredibly valuable flock. They admonish with the word. And we saw the spiritual qualifications for elders, the things they were not to be in relationship to their families and their personal lives, and the things they were to be in relationship with their families and ultimately their inner life, which reveals their relationship with Christ. And then we saw last few weeks the absolute requirement that elders must be those who are holding fast the faithful word, that they must cling tightly to it, that they may be able to do two things, exhort in sound doctrine, that's the word we're going to look at again today, and refute those who contradict. The elders need to be able to exhort, to come alongside the body of Christ and to speak sound doctrine to the body so that that body will be more like Christ. And then they need to refute the contradictors. They need to expose, as we saw, those who contradict the word of God by their actions or by their words. And then we looked at it last week. There's a very strong reason why elders must be able to do this. For there are many rebellious men we saw in verse 10. And we saw the characteristics of these rebellious men. They were teaching things they should not teach, right? They were not teaching sound doctrine in context. And we see that they were upsetting whole families and whole households. And we looked at God's view of these who would not teach sound truth, sound doctrine. God says in verse 16 through the Apostle Paul, they profess to know God, chapter 1, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. No matter what they say, no matter how much they say, I love Jesus, I want to win souls, just like that one person would say, I love my wife. No matter how much they say, their deeds deny that profession. And we see here in terms of their teaching, that denies their profession. And they are worthless in God's sight. They are disobedient and worthless for any good deed. And that leads us to our portion today in chapter 2, in which we're going to see how we can live the Christian life. How can we do it? How can we live out what God has ordained for us? And I think it's really important that we recognize this chapter is a whole. You really can't teach one portion of it apart from the rest. And that's why I cringe when people will come to certain portions on maybe mothers or older women teaching younger women and the family issues and things like that. I cringe when I don't see it taught in its whole. And so today I believe we need to see this whole chapter in its whole and remember that as we go through each individual part. And we're going to see, I believe, as we look at an overview, and your outlines there kind of give you that overview, how this chapter is laid out. And I'm just going to review that for you first, and then we're going to read through each part, and I'll show you why I believe it means that. So in verse 1, here's what I believe we see, and we're going to look at this in depth today after we look at an overview, that sound doctrine 
is the foundation for how we are to live the Christian life. Sound doctrine. And we're going to look at that. What does sound doctrine mean? We're going to look at that and we're going to see what sound doctrine means. But verse 1, it's the foundation. Sound doctrine in comparison to the bad doctrine of the bad teachers. Sound doctrine is a foundation. Then in verses 2 through 10, we're going to see what believers are literally to be. He says, older men are to be. Older women are to be. Younger men are to be. Younger women are to be. Slaves are to be. Titus, you're to be this way. It is what God says we are to be. And we need to recognize that those commands come on the heels of Titus being exhorted to speak only things fitting for sound doctrine. And then we mustn't stop at that point because in verses 11 through 14, we see how we are to be, that we are to be. A lot of the cults share how to be a Christian and what to do, and they give you the externals without the truth behind it, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we'll see in verses 11 through 14. So let's go through this chapter. I'm going to read the verses. I'm going to point out what I just shared. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. As for you, Titus, in contrast to the bad guys, you speak those things which are fitting for sound doctrine. And then he goes on to give them, here is the sound doctrine for who we are to be. Here it is. This is what God says. It is sound, it is right, it is healthy. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, same thing, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed or dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself. Now, this is about Titus, verse 7. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrines, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be, and we're going to see a bond slave at this time was like an employee, an indentured employee. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Here's what we are to be. And if we are not this way, the word of God is blasphemed. It's spoken against. If we are this way, we'll see it adorns the truth. If we obey the truth and are an example of that, we are an adornment of that truth. And then we see ultimately the reasons why we can do it. But before we do that, look at, look at the end of verse 5, that the word of God may not be dishonored. Verse 8, middle, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. And then... The last part of verse 10, that they may adorn or make beautiful the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. You see, our behavior is either going to cause people to blaspheme what God says, or it's going to beautify what God says. It's going to make it beautiful, our behavior. Now, how can we live this way? How can we do it? Do we just take this sound doctrine at this point and say, okay, I've got to be this way? 
Well, non-believers can take this list and say, okay, here's what I got to do. But he doesn't stop at that point. He gives us the core reality on how we are to be who we are to be. And don't forget that whenever you read any of these requirements, don't forget to go down to verses 11 through 14 and look at that. Verse 11, here's how you should be this way. For, an explanation, the grace of God has appeared. That's speaking of Christ. Bringing salvation to all men. God brought salvation through Christ. That is how, first and foremost, you can do this. Secondly, it's instructing us right now, God's grace in Christ through the word is instructing us right now to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Christ does the saving, and Christ does the work, and he does it through sound doctrine and teaching. It is the word of God, through the grace of God, that we are able to be who he wants us. To be. So we need to see that as we look at chapter two, as we look at the individual parts. And Lord willing, today we're going to look at sound doctrine as the foundation. Then in the next few weeks, we're going to look at older men and older women and younger women and younger men and slaves. We're going to look at all those relationships and then we're going to tie it back together and see that it is all through the grace of God in the person of Christ instructing us through the word of God. So does that make sense? So we want to see chapter 2 in its whole. We don't just want to say, okay, here, husbands, here's what you've got to do. Here, wives, here's what you've got to do. We have to see it in its whole, or we will miss out on what God intended for us in this chapter. Now look at verse 15 of chapter 2. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This is the way it is, Titus. Sound doctrine for instruction and in living based on the grace of God in the person of Christ. Let no one tell you, Titus, anything different. Don't let anyone disregard you. And that's a strong warning that ties it all together. Does that make sense? So with that in mind, we want to see now the beginning of this and look at this first portion in which we see sound doctrine, the foundation for how we are to live in Christ. Okay, back to Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Okay, we hear that word sound doctrine, but what does it mean? We've gone through it. For those of you who were with us when we were in chapter 1, verse 9, we looked at what sound doctrine was. And obviously, he's talking about it again here, and he's saying, Titus, speak those things only fitting for that. So we need to be reminded, and maybe some of you have never heard it, we need to know what sound doctrine is. So I'm going to review what we shared back in chapter 1, verse 9. The term sound doctrine ultimately is two words put together, hugieno, which means healthy or sound, as we'll look at, and didaskilia, which means teaching. Now, if you're still not sure what sound doctrine is. Remember what he said earlier in verse 1-9. Paul made it clear that elders were to hold fast the faithful word that they would be able to or have the power to exhort, come alongside and speak in sound doctrine. 
Okay, so we're saying, okay, I still don't understand and remember what sound doctrine is. Well, let's take a look at the two different words. First of all, we'll look at the word doctrine, and then we'll look at the term sound. What is doctrine? This word is used in the passive sense. It is that which is taught. It's not the act of teaching. It is that which is taught. It is the body of truth we have in Scripture which is taught. There can be sound doctrine and unsound doctrine. People can take the Word of God, as we will see, and twist it. That's unsound. But sound doctrine is the body of truth taught in the right way, cut straight for God's glory by His Spirit. This word doctrine means teaching. It means what is taught. Simply, if you hear the word doctrine, it means teaching. That which is taught. Now, it's interesting, this word, as we saw also in chapter 1, verse 9, there's a definite article here, the sound doctrine. Titus, speak things which are only fitting for the sound doctrine. We have that in Greek. And so what's this idea of the doctrine in Scripture? Again, I'm going to take you back in some of the things we looked at in chapter 1, verse 9. But in Romans 12:7, and I'll go through a couple of verses, you can either flip fast to them or you can note them down and look at them later. Romans 12, verse 7, after we have the wonderful truth concerning the salvation there is in Christ, they are commanded and exhorted to offer themselves as living sacrifices, to have their minds renewed, and then to love one another by serving one another. And in that context, Romans 12, 7, we see, if service in his serving... Or he who teaches in his teaching, or literally, you may have it in italics there in your Bibles, literally in the teaching. If you're a teacher in the church, you need to teach in the context of the teaching, the doctrine. That's what's revealed. Paul tells Timothy to keep giving attention to the reading of Scripture and also to doctrine. 1 Timothy 4, verse 13. Until I come, give attention to the reading, literally, of Scripture, to exhortation, and to, literally, the teaching. Give attention to the teaching. Give attention to doctrine, Timothy. And then we see, ultimately, in 1 Timothy 4.16, he says, pay close attention to yourself and to, literally, the teaching. Pay close attention, Timothy. Don't stray from that. Pay close attention. Persevere in all things. As for you, you will ensure the salvation for yourself and for those who hear you. And literally, the New King James puts it this way. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, to the teaching, to the doctrine. And then slaves are to be obedient to their masters that the teaching wouldn't be spoken against. 1 Timothy 6.1 Let all who are under the yoke of slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and literally the doctrine or our doctrine will not be spoken against. Behave the way God tells you to behave based on Christ so that people won't speak against the truth, the teaching that you have. And then, of course, we have this word doctrine in our second chapter of Titus a couple times. Notice in verse 7, Titus is to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine. Titus 2.7, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in literally the doctrine. Your Bibles may have it in italics, so they may say it outright. The doctrine or doctrine. And then later on, we saw this as we just read through in verses 9 through 10. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything 
to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they may adorn or beautify or make beautiful what? Make beautiful what? The doctrine, the teaching of God our Savior in every respect. Behave this way so that the truth that God has laid forth this teaching would be adorned like a beautiful jewel. Folks, simply put, doctrine is the body of truth revealed in Scripture that is taught rightly. Now, some of you may fancy the idea of doctrine or not, but every church and every believer functions based on some type of teaching or doctrine. No one follows Christ in a vacuum. They follow within teachings from their own mind concerning Christ, or they follow teachings from man, or they follow twisted teachings from the Word, or they follow what God has revealed in His Word. Everybody functions in a relationship with Christ according to teaching or doctrine. Now with this in mind, we see back in our passage, but as for you, chapter 2, verse 1, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Do you remember what the word sound meant? He modifies the term doctrine because there is a lot of teaching out there, but not all of it is sound. The word speaks of being healthy. It was used most all the time in opposition of someone being sick. Someone is sick, and then they were made healthy. Someone was weak, they were made healthy. He's saying it is healthy, whole, or good It literally speaks of someone in physically good health as opposed to sickness. And then we get, as I shared a few weeks ago, our word hygiene or hygienic from it. It is healthy or good as opposed to sick. And ultimately, folks, there is sound doctrine and unsound doctrine. There's healthy teaching and there is sick teaching. There is healthy doctrine, there is sound doctrine, and there is sick doctrine. Paul would not need to say, Titus, speak only things in accordance with sound doctrine if there was only one type of doctrine. There is unsound doctrine, there is bad teaching, and there is sound teaching. Now with this in mind, in our passage, we're going to see here that sound doctrine is in direct contrast to bad teaching. Again, chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you... Speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Did you notice this verse starts with the term but? It doesn't stand on its own. Chapter 2 is not isolated from what was just spoken of in chapter 1. But, in contrast to what was just said, you, Titus, speak this way. Well, what was just said? We already talked about it. There are many rebellious men, verse 11. They teach things they should not teach for sordid gain. Verse 16, they profess to know God. Verse 14, they're Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient, worthless for any good deed. There are many bad guys out there teaching bad stuff, but you, Titus, in contrast, don't teach that way. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints... 
All our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast, it would seem that the key to living the Christian life is sound doctrine. You know, Dave, it really is, but let me just take that one step further. It's not just knowing sound doctrine, understanding the word rightly, but it's applying it to our daily lives that really makes the difference in how we walk. You see, we can intellectually know what a sound doctrine is, and, and we can even agree with it. But until we actually allow God's word to permeate our hearts and by his spirit change us, it really is of no value to us at all. My prayer then is this, that you learn his word, that you hide it in your heart, that you allow it to change your thinking and thus your behavior so that you can truly walk with him in every aspect of your life. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. (laughs) 